Hi, and welcome to the wonderful world of Disney Villains Podcast. I'm your host, Katie, ready to talk about everything Disney. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Wonderful World of Disney Villains Podcast. Yes, you heard me right, Season 2. I decided to take a hiatus because my baby started to walk. So here we are, hiatus, Season 2, moving forward. Also more breaks for me and my family. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. In this episode, we are starting things off with makeup. And I feel like, including myself, not a lot of people may know about the inequities within makeup in the world. And so I wanted to talk about it from the Disney perspective. And turns out Disney is no different. Disney is also us. And so I have makeup expert Ashley to talk to me and school me on makeup. And we discuss makeup looks in Disney films, the stereotypes of Disney villain makeup, the stereotypes of what is and is not acceptable in the makeup world, maybe also influenced by Disney. And also Ashley has a lot of great things to say about Disney villains that I was just snapping along with. So here we go. Welcome. If you wanted to introduce yourself and what you do, then we'll get started. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, My name is Ashley. I am the CEO of Glam Sessions NYC. We are a beauty service and product company. We specialize in cleaning your products, making you feel good about cleaning your products. And we also specialize in makeup. We offer makeup services. We offer makeup classes, everything in that beauty service sort of niche. I've been a freelance makeup artist for about seven years plus, and I enjoy making people feel amazing about themselves and making yes. sure they know the importance of cleaning their beauty tools so yes. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's pretty much uh, who I am basically uh, in a nutshell and yeah. again I'm really excited to talk to you guys today yes if you haven't guessed yet we are here to talk about makeup in Disney something Yay. yeah something that I don't really feel like I've ever heard about I don't think I've heard a discussion about makeup within Disney before, so I'm really, really excited to talk about this today. And I thought we would start at the beginning. Disney characters, as we all know, tend to be white women, and there are few princesses of color. So I was just kind of wanting to touch on the history of makeup, specifically as it pertains to people of color, before jumping into talking about looking at Disney princesses and the way that their makeup is done. So not to give a a really big question like that, but are there certain complexions, certain colors? Is the quality good or bad, et cetera? I feel like makeup has come such a long way and I'm what, 31. Mm. So of course, over the years, I've seen things change, not drastically like, you know, my mom's age of wearing makeup, but even being younger and seeing um, the type of makeup she used to buy is a lot different from now. I feel like now there's so many varieties and ranges of shades. And I feel like now being a woman of color, I feel a lot more confident when I do go shop for my foundation color or shop for a brand that I know specifically is going to target my needs as far as my skincare and what I'm looking for as far as the makeup setting and blending into my skin. I feel like previously, or as we say back in the day, it was pretty hard to find um, foundation, especially if you are of a darker complexion. It's Mm -hmm. almost sort of like you were playing this paint game, like, okay, we're going (laughs) to mix this color to match that color, or we're going to take away this color so it'll be lighter for this. It was just like this this puzzle game. It, It was a lot of work. And I feel like back in the day, a lot of brands didn't really offer a variety of shades. You would Mm. get what a fair skin girl or someone that's really light, but they're not dark. They're dark enough to be considered what they call like mocha or like a cocoa shade, but it's not like deep, deep dark. So if you're darker than that, it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to mix together? So now when you go in the store, you have things like Fenty. I think she has about like 40 foundation shades. I can literally go in the store now and I can pick up one bottle of foundation and that will be my shade color. And that's like an amazing feeling. So kind of leaving from the having to mix so many foundations together or going back to like my mom, she used to wear like fashion fair and they were heavy, like with the blush and uh, Mm. the black eyeliner and things like that. And now if I want to wear a calming look, it's fine because I can find something that really matches my complexion or that I feel like is good for my skin where I'm comfortable enough um, to wear it and feel great about it. 
Yeah. And I remember you mentioning, which I thought was really surprising just because I'm someone who's newer to the world of makeup Mm -hmm. and that you said you, you had either worked on Broadway or on runways or other, and you were saying that people with darker complexions had to do their own makeup. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are. I worked on a few short films and I've worked on a lot of runway shows and music videos. And even me, when I first started modeling, I used to come across makeup artists who could not match my complexion. And that's what made me get into makeup because it went from, oh my gosh, I look like a ghost. Like what is going on? This cannot (laughs) be my, when you hear, oh my God, you're getting your makeup done. Depending on the type of person you are, like me, I love glitz and glam. So I'm like hype, like, oh my God, I'm going to look beautiful. And then they finish my makeup. Exactly. And I'm like, I look like a corpse. What is going <laughs> what is on? This? Like, yes, like what is this? So that's what made me an start. Expert. Yeah, there's yes. Well, some of them. Some <laughs> people just they take the title and run, but that's not here or there. Yes, everybody. But, does um, <laughs> yes, but yeah, they didn't really know. And another thing I found very interesting doing like fashion week shows and just fashion shows period is that a lot of times women of color who are models they feel a lot more comfortable when you have a makeup artist that is your same complexion or that knows how to do women of color's makeup because that wasn't a thing before like so they're based on caucasian women or oriental women and Mm -hmm. that's kind of the skin shade but now when you go and you need to do somebody of a darker complexion it's like what do we do Right. So they try to mix these colors together, but the person that you're matching, she has warm undertones and you're only used to dealing with cool undertones. So instead of her coming out like warm and glowy, she's coming out looking like ashy and just not... (laughs) you know her color yeah Yeah, so I ran into that so many times it's so funny because like when I go to shows and the girls are like yay you know we got a black makeup artist and Mm. I'm super excited and like sometimes I used to make me feel bad like dang like but then it was very uplifting because it's like now I can really create that black girl magic because you feel comfortable and if you feel like your makeup is bomb you're gonna get out there and you're gonna give it 110 so yeah yeah, it's grown from them even teaching wise like because I went to Cosmosology school and they teach us like the color will the color will is very important it's very very important and just the transition of the history of makeup from dealing with a few shades to now being so so much of a variety it has changed you went from really doing like peach and these pale colors and deep deep yellows and now you know you're going into these darker browner complexions and it's like now they have the makeup for it Mm mm-hmm and it's so crazy how before it just wasn't, it wasn't a thing. It yeah. wasn't really a thing. And I don't feel like big brands really cared about it because it was just like, oh, well. But now I think they've <laughs> kind of tapped into the fact that the African-American culture, we spend a lot on mm-hmm. beauty. So it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, let me tap into this market because they're going to spend millions and millions and billions of dollars each year to look amazing. Yeah. And it well, sucks that they kind of, yeah, we all deserve that, but it kind of sucks. It had to be turned into like a monetary thing where it was just yeah. like, we're seeing that African-American people are spending billions a year. We have to tap into this market. Why yeah. wasn't it just everyone of all shades, nationalities, no matter what needs good foundation. <laughs> like yeah. why just, why could not be the basis, but you know, that's the world we live in, but yeah. we've come a long way in progressing makeup, even nowadays in commercials, you see I feel like I see myself, this beautiful woman of color. She's in a commercial. Mm -hmm. And I feel like back in the day, you'd only see that in like black brands like Fashion Fair or something like that. It wasn't really in the L'Oreal's or the Chanel's or the Dior's. It wasn't in those brands. It was in something like you'd see makeup for Jet Magazine or, you know, Fashion Fair or something like that. Something that was targeted toward our community. But now if you see it in these high-end stores, because they know that, these amazing women are going to spend money, especially if you're giving them the foundation shade that they need or the makeup that they need, they're going to spend the money on it. Right. Yeah. It's a huge complex system that yeah. on the surface you don't, or I'm assuming, cause I don't really anticipate it being, there's so many factors and avenues to look into. And I think the Fenty brand was, and if I'm even saying that correctly, was such a huge yeah, game changer it was. for so many people. I remember hearing about it, not really being into makeup at the time, but I remember people talking about it and it was such like, it just blew up in yeah. like, 
fame and wow, like that actually has my shade and, and all of these other things and trying to be more equitable for all women or all genders yeah. and everybody who wants to and does wear makeup. Yeah, it was really crazy because yeah. when Fenty came out, I felt like before Fenty, I could go in the store and find my shades, but I might have to mix it. Like it might not be the exact shade. Yeah. There was enough of a variety for you not to really... I mean, I notice, but like if you yeah. go in and you're just like, whatever, you may not really notice that there's other shades out there that haven't been targeted. So mm-hmm. you're going in and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm 500 in this or I'm 501 in that. Okay, if I mix them together, that's cool. And then sometimes you have your winter and summer shades. Fine. Yeah. But then when Fenty came out the gate knocking, like, listen, you should not have to mix your foundation. You should be able to go in the store and find a range of foundation colors that fit you. You should feel like I'm represented in this right. store. So when she came out, it's kind of like opened like this floodgate of these brands finally waking up to be like, okay, our deep dark isn't really what deep dark is. Did you really think this was dark enough for my complexion? Yeah. Like there's no way when you guys were in the factory mixing or in the board meetings, you couldn't possibly fathom that this was the darkest of the dark or even our caramel mocha girls, this is the lightest of the light. Like you possibly couldn't think that. And then you have women of fairer skin that aren't Caucasian, but they're really, really pale, but they have these warm undertones. So if you put something that has a cool undertone on them, they're going to look ashy. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, this is not it for us. This is not targeting what I need you to target. So when Fenty came out and now girls of all shades, boys of all shades, and it's just like, I can go in and feel confident about what I'm buying and not feel like, oh my God, I'm going to be orange. And I need to, (laughs) you know, buy powder and all this other stuff to try to even this out like when she started it kind of like opened the floodgates because now there's a lot of other brands that follow along that have darker shades like it's not just the what they call mocha now you know they have you know deep mocha or (laughs) deep chocolate or whatever you may call it but there's so much variety now because she made people look and I guess they saw she banked off of 50 when the foundation came out oh she made a lovely penny a lovely, lovely penny. So I guess other markets wanted to, you know, brands wanted to tap into that to say, oh my gosh, if she's doing it, so can we. And it's really weird because they're not just throwing the foundation out there. And don't get me wrong, there's some foundations that I wouldn't touch with a a foot of a stick. But I feel like they're really going into the the labs and they're really mixing and it makes sense. I don't feel like they're just putting it in a bottle and it looks this way and then you put it on and it's like, uh, (laughs) I feel like they're really like mixing and sort of caring what they put in these bottles and it's working brands I never really thought that I would resonate with it are really showing me up. Oh, okay. And I guess that's a good segue. So... For those who are listening, we are both looking at a collage of Disney princesses. Yes. The movie posters, I should emphasize, not the, um, because I feel like there's like this Disney store version of Disney princesses and they look completely different than they do in the movies. Yes. Yeah. So so. we are looking at the Disney princess collage from them in the movie, not in the Disney store, not at the doll version, not any other, the movie version. (laughs) And... I see a lot of what you've been saying in looking at these images, and I didn't specifically choose these. These are on the official Disney Princess website, which I didn't Mm -hmm. know there was one. These princesses span generations. They start from the 1930s with Snow White, and it goes all the way up to 2016 with Moana. There are patterns. Yeah, there are patterns. So like, for instance, Snow White, perfect example. Remember that heavy blush we were talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, if you go to, like, the earlier cartoon characters, they all have, like, this heavy, heavy blush. I don't know. Maybe blush is the thing back then, but they all had, like, this heavy blush, and there was always a red lip. Because even um, Aurora, Sleeping Beauty, Mm -hmm. she has a red lip. Cinderella's lip wasn't really that red. It was more, like, peachy. But maybe this is... um because of the picture princess jasmine she was she was early on she had a red lip pocahontas was more of like a she wasn't bright right like snow white was it was a little bit more neutral toned but it was still like in the red family but that's like a pattern that i definitely noticed with um disney characters like it's always the crazy blush especially the older characters (laughs) and the red lip because ariel had a red lip too yeah with her red hair ariel definitely had a red lip and then tiana 
It might just look like it in this picture. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing it, which is interesting because some of these, they weren't necessarily around at a time when makeup was a thing, or they were in a, a particular situation where putting makeup on is not really a priority like Cinderella you know she's a housekeeper who's being emotionally abused by her family I don't really think makeup is something that she's like oh wait while they're yelling at me let me first put my makeup (laughs) on and then go (laughs) (laughs) no I definitely agree and that's cool that you said that too because depending on the characteristics of the character it definitely kind of gives you what type of makeup because like you're right Cinderella the only time her makeup was really really like wow Mm -hmm. was when she went to the ball and then eventually you know she married the prince right but while she was being emotionally abused by her family her makeup was like really regular Mm -hmm. Belle too she wasn't really Belle was like just pretty it was real simple even when she was going through the village she was like very simple the only time I feel like they heightened her makeup is when she had the yellow dress on Mm -hmm. and her and the beast were like dancing but it was like very simple yeah and it wasn't such a I I don't remember it being that big of a transformation for her the hair was kind of the only major difference now Mulan's makeup heightened only because of cultural so yeah. I feel like when she put on her cultural outfit yeah. and like when they do geishas, I know like the face is white and the cheeks mm-hmm. are really, really red. So I feel like that was the only reason they heightened her makeup to show that cultural view. But I feel like if it wasn't for that, Milan would just be. Do you think that's she also wasn't... why her makeup was so basic the rest of the time? I kind of do because she always gave off the impression she wasn't like she was there because she needed to help her father. And then think about it, the basis of the movie, she had to blend in in the army. So it was like, why do I need to do my mascara? Why did she need (laughs) to have blushy cheeks? Yeah. I think with Milan, and it's really good that you said that because depending on the character, when you really dig into it, you kind of really see, okay, depending on what they were going through or what the basis of the story was, they may have not needed or the character may have not required makeup as much as Snow White was from the beginning, Snow White just had like, she's just effortlessly, she's pretty, but mm-hmm. I feel like they heighten her makeup because she was this pretty soft character, very mm-hmm. feminine. And I'm saying her feminine with the, yeah, with the question, not the, the explanation points around it because <laughs> everybody's um, views of feminine is different. So yeah. yeah, I feel like with her, it was just like, oh, she's pretty. We're going to walk through the garden. We're going to feed the animals. Yeah. You know, she was just real pretty. And then Mulan, like we said, Mulan, you only really seen a culture change with her because of she had to get up in Garm and the Garm required this heavy makeup. But if it wasn't for the scene with the Garm, then I don't feel like her makeup would have been heavy. It would have really been light throughout the beginning. Because even when it first came on, you know, she was working, helping her family. She wasn't really a girl who seemed like she had time for makeup. And like you said, back in the day. Yeah, she was she was always running and it just really didn't seem like makeup was it wasn't an importance. Yeah. Now Jasmine, Jasmine was a princess. So Jasmine in their eyes required to be primped and prepped. Mm-hmm. Jasmine had makeup on the entire time. Even when she ran away with Aladdin and she had on like the scarf, her face yeah, was still it was like that's not, yeah, it was not a very good disguise. <laughs> Even if you took a glimpse, she was just still so breathtaking. Like mm-hmm. she was still so beautiful with the makeup and earrings and whatever. So you're just yeah. like, mm, you're not really this big or poor that you're trying to yeah. be because something clearly is wrong here. Yeah, no, I agree. And you can um, even see like her nails and everything. Yes. You don't always see fingernails depending on the character. That's another thing too. That's funny. I don't really think of that. I don't, you don't really see nails because I'm thinking in the realistic versions of the Disney movies. Yeah. Do they have nails? I remember Jasmine did because they did this really long close-up shot of her hand grabbing Aladdin's when they went on the carpet ride. But it was just like, why are we staring at her hand for five seconds? Right. Yeah, I don't remember the nails. I feel like the villains always have nails. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Coella DeVille had nails. Um, yes. I'm pretty sure Ursula from Little Mermaid. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she had nails, too. Oh my God, Katie, you just scared me because I looked at the thing. I said, what is going on with my phone? I just, (laughs) good morning. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh yeah, we're in different time zones. 
even Malnificent, I think I swore she had nails too. I remember seeing them because she was always like waving her hand. Yeah, you can see them. If you hear clicking, we're we're researching while we're recording. So we're doing a little <laughs> Um, yeah, she has, yeah, Maleficent has the red nails and the red lipstick and the cut crease yeah. eyeshadow. Yes, Maleficent definitely did. Yeah, she was the red. The red was so deep. But was that just to stand out because her skin is green or? That's another thing too. Like if you look at the character, I know I'm jumping back and forth off topic, but like all of the villains have this horrific makeup mm. and you can also tell the period of time because if you look at Maleficent's eyebrow and shadow, it gives yeah. you Ursula from Little Mermaid. Kind of the arches are the same. It's the eyebrow for me, like this eyebrow mm. and this purple eyeshadow. Maleficent had like a little fake cut crease back in the day there mm-hmm. where there's a color on top and then yeah. there's a circular color right there. She had a cut crease. Yeah, if you look at all of them, they all have giant eyelids. Yeah, she definitely had the red fingernails. Mm-hmm. Lady Tremaine had but, fingernails too, but I don't think, I don't remember Cinderella having fingernails. Oh, I forgot about her. She was something else. Even her brows, look at the brows and the <laughs> eyelids. I'm really serious. You can tell a little bit that this is like old school because the eyebrows, they have like this peak arch, like yeah. right at the arch. It's like really it's high, super, like they have Botox, yeah. right? And then <laughs> the lids are like deep, deep. Yeah. They have deep, large lids. Pupils are like bare to none, but they're there. Which is the and opposite Earth, for princesses. Yeah. Oh, princesses are wide eyed and the world is is amazing small eyelids yeah i think the princess who had the biggest eyelid i'm gonna say it's probably jasmine she -hmm. had the biggest eye space as far as like to put makeup on everybody else they have really big eyes but the lids are not huge right equally as big right yep if you pull up ursula Mm. same thing the arch in the brow is crazy she has a the crazy eyeshadow Mm -hmm. and she's purple Mm -hmm. and she got the red lip and that red lip it's a staple the red lip is definitely a staple for villains definitely she's got the fingernails yeah she does (laughs) (laughs) right it's so funny i don't know even growing up my grandmother used to say like oh no don't get red i couldn't wear red lipstick or like red fingernails because it was like oh my god like street walkers wear that color like it was bad oh really i'm just like yeah seeing this and kind of thinking back it's kind of funny because even in my culture like my mom and my grandmother oh no you're too young to wear red Mm. lipstick or like a certain red like that bright fire red oh no no those street workers wear that so that's just no you cannot so now i'm looking at ursula and she's not the you know (laughs) yeah the best Uh, of all characters and she has this bright red lipstick and these fingernails yeah i was thinking like in asian culture i feel like with looking at asian celebrities i only ever saw them wear all black with red lip and red fingernails and that was considered to be like being so bold and you're being a trailblazer and you're like being sexy or whatnot I don't know if this is accurate, but I just, in that, I was thinking of like Lucy Liu and what was it? Charlie's Angels. I don't, I don't actually think she wore red, but thinking of movies and shows like that where an Asian woman is in it, I always felt like she was always wearing red nails, red lipstick, eyeliner, and some kind of like skin type black outfit, or maybe even like (laughs) mob affiliated type of movie where there's a woman in charge. I just felt like I saw a lot of Asian women with a lot of red and black Mm. growing up. And that wasn't, in that context, it wasn't a bad thing. Right. I feel like in that content, it gave strong, like you said, I'm strong. I'm ahead of everything. Like I'm the head honcho in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just an interesting contrast. It really is. Like now that you said it like that, it really is. And then I had a I'm question. Kind of... Yeah, looking, go ahead and shoot. Because I'm looking at all these princesses. And if you're looking at the most recent ones, that would be Moana, Frozen, and Tangled. And they all have the exact same eyes and eyelashes when i look at them my immediate focus is on their eyelashes and that's just me from a non-makeup perspective right and of course elsa has so much eyeshadow going on but i was just curious (laughs) when you're looking at those three so moana rapunzel and frozen i guess what is the thing that stands out to you that is different from the way that they've done previous i know like the it's like 3d animation or whatnot but is there a particular way that they're 
complexion and makeup is done that you feel is different aside from me being like their eyes are bigger and animation drew them to have bigger eyes what stands out for me it's the brows I think I'm being biased because I love eyebrows no I just do that's my favorite (laughs) it's the brows for me Moana she has like these really thick yeah, she has really natural distinctive looking. brows, right? Yeah. She has really thick, distinctive brows. Then if you hit Elsa, Elsa is more like refined, but they're like mm. perfect eyebrows, a dream eyebrow, which I would call because mm. it's not too thick, but it's not extremely thin. Yeah. And then Tangle, she has good eyebrows also. I feel oh, like her eyebrows nice. are kind of like Elsa's, but it's a yeah. lot more facial movement. <laughs> oh yeah, for in her that picture. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah, for me, it's definitely gonna be the brows. Now I do see Elsa's eyelashes. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Elsa's eyelashes, they're like in the corner. They're cornered eyelashes. But Tangle, she has eyelashes all across her lid. Yes, and her eyebrows are a little bit more brushed. They're giving natural, but they're like, they're shaped. And Moana's lashes. Moana's look like they cover the full eye as well. And I wonder why that is. Like, why? how do they come up with that? Because even Moana as a baby, the eyebrows were thick. She had the good eyebrows Mm, when they showed a little baby picture. (laughs) I would also say Moana has the most realistic looking hair and features. She does. She does. She does. She looks like, to me, she looks like a Filipino girl to me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. She's like you said, she's really real because if you look at like the other characters of color now, Pocahontas is the only one I feel that can get away with it only because Pocahontas is Native American. So she has like this fine hair. And then Jasmine, too, because even though Jasmine is considered, I consider Jasmine black, she was supposed to be of Indian descent. Oh, So they have because look, think about Aladdin and the place that Aladdin took place. From my breakdown of it, I think Jasmine was supposed to be of Indian descent or maybe like Egyptian. I feel like there's yeah. still some type of African descent in there, but I feel like their yeah. main portrayal of it was for her to come off as being the Indian princess. Which is so weird because she's the first. And it's like, why did you choose Middle Eastern, you know, Egyptian, African, right. Indian out of all of the different... I'm not saying anything against it. It's my favorite movie, but it's just like such an interesting and I would say overly challenging feat for a white staff to make. And I don't think they even looked into, you know, maybe we should have individuals from this culture come and tell us about it and learn from them to make sure that this is authentic and real and accurate as white people who have no experience. (laughs) Right. Because I feel like now they probably would definitely pull people from. Oh, yeah. That's what they did for Moana the culture to really assinuate who yeah. they want the character because even jasmine her eyeliner i don't think no one else has liner like jasmine mm. she's the only one that has like i want oh i lied and tiana they have like this wing and milan i'm sorry they have these winged eyeliners yeah they're the only ones who have like the eyeliner extension everyone else is kind of like the shape of their lid that's it so if you look at tiana um mulan and jasmine they all have winged lines yeah i see that all of them yeah it's so interesting to think about it is and they're all the characters that are not caucasian they're all of different descents Mm -hmm. so that's really interesting too yeah it's like why don't why don't they get eyelashes like moana (laughs) <laughs> or Rapunzel. Yeah, I love Moana's face. I like Merida, but she, I just like the orange, the orange eyebrows and the orange hair. Mm-hmm. I like that look. She also had a very like simple. A, yeah. She had kind of like the, I wash my face and I'm beautiful. Yeah. Kind of like that natural Vogue beauty look. Yeah. It sounds so weird, but yeah, that's how she comes off. I just did a face and washing commercial and I'm right and, and voila, I'm beautiful, right? <laughs> I also don't think it was really her priority being the whole point of the movie was her trying to outbest men and know that she can rule a kingdom without having to marry anyone, so right probably wasn't on yeah. her top priority <laughs> the list. To-do list is, <laughs> let me put on liner and mascara today right. that's so interesting trying, it's so funny because when i look at jasmine and they do like the realistic version it's a lot of indian descent or mm-hmm. egyptian women that are like up here so i feel like she was supposed to be the indian princess I can see and in it. some pictures, she's like really tanned, like really, really tanned. Oh, yeah. Some pictures, they try to make her look like really pale, but even the hair, 
it has this body it's full yeah well i noticed watching the movie that her skin tone does change a lot depending on if she's in the sun or she's in the shade and i remember Mm -hmm. her father the sultan there's a few scenes where he is his skin tone is completely white and he's wearing all white yeah i don't know if it's like the shadow versus this being in the sun or being in the kingdom versus outside the kingdom but there are certain scenes in that movie where he complexion wise looks completely white he looks like a white man and then there are other scenes where he has very dark complexion very dark skin and you're like oh yeah that's you know, someone of middle eastern egyptian african indian descent descent whichever, right yeah whichever they were trying to go with i'm assuming that must have been like the animation at the time because consistency is not always a thing with earlier animation whether it's tv show or other i've noticed if you look at Jafar from the 1992 pictures, mm-hmm. it's the brow in that shadow for me. <laughs> like that eyelid just, <laughs> it's the eyelid for me. These eyelids are like out of this world. But he also, when they raise the eyelid, he has a liner too. Yeah. I was the liner say, goes the like, line, uh, yeah. the guy liner. The guy liner. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I'm going to use that one. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want a guy liner today? <laughs> well, I was thinking that's of funny. him. And then, well, his eyebrows were thick, too. Very. And I was thinking of Dr. Facilier. Yes. Princess and the Frog, right? Mm-hmm. He, I don't know if it's just because they're both men of color or or what, but it does seem like they both wear guy liner. I mean, maybe it's just supposed to be his eyelashes, but I really doubt that. But the, even with Jafar, I don't know if that was like a neck piece or that was his neck, like, you know, the it's like a lighter tanned piece. Maybe that was a part of his gum. I'm not sure. I always assumed it was part of Because I'm like, star. is his face, like, because I'm like, okay, <laughs> his face is one color. And then this neck piece is like, what is going on here? The voodoo man. Because I got friends on the other side. Mm-hmm. I like that song. I love this movie. This was such a good movie. Even Scar has some eyeshadow going on. Yeah. And he's a lion. But I guess I can't be animalist. Animals come <laughs> Villains are always, they get like this, what they consider bad makeup, which is like too much. So I was like, okay, this is a lot. Yeah, like Yzma, her eyelashes are like five oh, feet Yzma long. Was, oh my gosh, Yzma was horrible. Yeah, Tiana had this liner and she had a, Tiana had a lid though. She had a big lid. Hmm. And their eyebrows, like if you don't catch like a good picture, depending on the expression of their face, they're going like whichever way. But I guess that's <laughs> to make it realistic because like, I guess when we talk, our eyebrows go a different way. Eyebrows but, are like yeah. the new thing though. I mean, people obsess over them. Yeah, they definitely do because I know I obsess over my eyebrows. I'm so guilty of that. So I have a, a question since we're starting to move into villains. Yeah, let's um, talk about it. I've talked about this before. There are a lot of villains who are queer coded in Disney and something that I was noticing a pattern of is it seems like male villains who are queer coded tend to look like they're wearing makeup versus villains who are not queer coded in my opinion do not appear to be wearing makeup and really the only examples I have are if you look at the white male villains who are very hetero So we're looking at Prince Hans, we're looking at Gaston, and we're looking at Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Those three men are very white, hetero, very white male privilege and other. And yet I don't really, and maybe I haven't looked at Frollo in a while, but I feel like maybe that's just because they're supposed to look privileged in every capacity possible. So they are not presumably wearing makeup versus others, like literally any villain of color, any male villain who does show queer coding in some capacity so like scar jafar oh i don't know about governor ratcliffe from pocahontas i wonder if he does hades and and others i'm wondering if they are wearing makeup and if it's only meant to emphasize the queer coding makes sense i wonder i've I'm kind of sort of i mean i never really thought of them as i don't know to me i didn't think of them as queer coding only because i just felt like their character deemed for makeup at the time because mm-hmm. even when i look at frozen like even i look at Kristoff, who can't use him but hans he has really rosy cheeks now in real oh. life that's blush unless they're putting like ice on his cheeks to make it look flushed but that's definitely blush i feel like some of them have more makeup than others definitely jafar definitely more makeup but then when 
Oh, yes. And I was looking at him earlier. That's interesting that you say that. I felt like all of them had a touch of makeup here or there. Like, not so much. But I do feel like Beauty and the Beast. um, Oh, Gaston. Gaston. I just feel like they wanted this idea of privilege. So it's kind of like this. Like the, I felt like, yeah, they were trying to be against like, we don't discriminate or we don't marginalize everybody. Look, we have this white hetero male being a villain. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I could see it. Even um, Captain Hook is a little, yeah, he has makeup. He has eyeshadow and that beard or mm-hmm. the mustache is a little drastic. It, yeah, it sticks way out. <laughs> <laughs> that's where honestly it's a, that's a hard topic for me like I would really have to like sit down and to pick that because I never never thought about that that's really an interesting observation but I mean even looking at it I just feel like they all at one point wore makeup or mm. it's portrayed it may not be a lot but it's a little and I just feel like the boys from the the country club you know our three <laughs> they're deemed to be this privileged villain like oh we're privileged and then another thing is those characters always come off nice like when Mm -hmm. you first meet them they come off and you're like okay they're a good person right and then like they trip somebody in the street or something like that or (laughs) you know they mastermind something and you're just like oh you're horrible okay those characters always come off as really nice or like you don't think of them as villains afterwards that's not what they come off to be and I think Mm -hmm. that's also the intention also that they are deemed to be good until they commit this villainous act and now they're deemed now for the rest of the movie the villain yeah because off the rip we all knew captain hook was bad the voodoo man from tiana we knew he was shifty from the beginning right um (laughs) and jafar we all knew from the beginning jafar was bad 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 so i feel like he was the only one wearing black and red Yeah, he was a weirdo. I was just like, what is going on here? I feel like when they are from the beginning deemed the villain or something is shifty about the character, Mm -hmm. they always have this heavy makeup. And I do feel like in Disney, when you're a deemed villain from the beginning, you have this, what they consider this bad makeup job. Like these eyebrows are everywhere. This crazy eyeshadow, a lip if you're, mm. you know, a female villain. But I feel like the villains that are from the forefront deemed villains yeah. makeup. Mm-hmm. Because Hans, when you first saw Hans, if you never watched Frozen before and the movie comes on and you see Hans, from the beginning, you don't think he's bad. You think, right. okay, they're fine. You know, yeah, they're, they're good. He's a standard prince. And then, you know, he started to go crazy. But right. they're all deemed like good at the beginning. And that's another reason they probably don't come off with this villain makeup is because they're supposed to be good and then they turn into the villain of the movie. Yeah, the writers are trying to trick you. Yeah. So you're so, surprised. Yeah. I was also that's looking, my opinion on that. No, yeah. I, I can see it from both perspectives. And I guess I didn't really think about it in that context either. But yes, especially when you look at Yzma is very... Oh. At, from the very beginning, you know she is the bad guy or the bad woman. And it is probably with intention that her makeup is that bad. And I also remember like Cusco being like, wow, you have so many wrinkles. Like what's going on? And do you wear all that makeup to hide them or what's... So I, I definitely see that. And maybe it was intentionally, they didn't mean to do that. They were more just trying to make it obvious to children who the bad person was. And in the process, it kind of ended up also being interpreted by some people in a different in a different light yeah i mean yeah. that is also a good perception too that they make the villains stand out with all of this crazy makeup to you know make children and that i feel like some type of psychological warfare there because being a child and seeing that all of the villains have these painted faces the makeups look crazy that doesn't mean that actual people or like people who wear a lot of makeup are deemed bad or you right. know something like that so I feel like that's a little tricky because if you put it in a perception of trying to make children aware between good and bad and then now in their mind they have said good bad that oh my god if they wear a lot of makeup or their eyebrows are jacked up bad 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 yeah and if they have this princess this or prince look and they they look charming good 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 and that is definitely not the case at all yes there's this article years ago on tor.com, T-O-R.com, talking about female villainesses. 
and it, mm-hmm. it was called In Defense of Villainesses by Sarah Gailey. And I had mentioned it before in a previous episode, but she kind of talks in, in more of a narrative form of these are all the things that you see in female villainesses that you don't see in female protagonists and how it pertains to real life where it's like, this is what society expects of women versus what they don't expect of women. And a lot of it was related to physical appearance, like the eyeshadow cut crease or dyeing your hair or wearing like a really strong, bold lipstick or, you know, having, what was it? Having wrinkles or gaining a little bit of weight or, you know, like all of these factors that were mostly based on physical appearance and expressing that, like, if you want to be a princess or you want to be a female Mm -hmm. protagonist, you can't do any of these things. And yet being someone who follows like makeup tutorials on Instagram I feel like the only thing I do see is the cut crease the dying hair the strong and bold colors like I think I saw somebody wearing like a bright yellow and orange eyeshadow the other day I was like I personally would never wear that but that is definitely (laughs) something that you would you know see other people wearing in different contexts and it's just so popular there's like a million likes on it and it's all over Instagram and other social media accounts it's in the makeup world, I'm assuming is growing. And it's just such a contrast in opinions from what you're told as a child watching these movies to then being an adult in the world of makeup and like fashion and beauty and other. And it's like completely different depending on what the job is, like who your audience is, who you're working for, and all these other factors where it's like, no, actually in this context, that's totally fine. That's what we actually want you to do. Versus if you're walking out on the street, everyone's going to stare at you if your eyeshadow is bright orange. Right. You know? <laughs> it's just so weird. You know, it is. It, it's a bad psychological game that's played because it's just like, who's the sick? Well, I mean, we can say what's right from wrong. Basically, anybody who looks different from the norm is deemed bad because that's basically what it comes down to. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're not put into like this box or this, you don't fit this characteristic of, oh, you know, like you said, if you want to be good, you'll act and dress and look this way. And if you're bad, you'll do, you know, the opposite characteristics. But everyone who's different that don't fit the norm or what people call weirdos, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make them bad. They're just, they're different. Right. Yeah, very interesting. Somebody needs to sit down and talk to Disney, <laughs> preferably a psychologist, because this is this is some deep stuff. There, there's like a princess, like someone who draws scenarios with all the princesses living together. It's like Princess Pocket or something like that. And there's like different. Each image is a different episode, and it's like a comic strip of sorts. And I remember one of them. They were all sitting together talking about their nightmares, and like they're like, let's all sit with a therapist and write down. Or, t- or draw pictures of our nightmares. And they all drew the exact same image, which was the guy from Monsters, Inc. And they were like, <laughs> okay, so it's not just us. There's definitely something going on here. And oh, it just makes you think so of, yeah, the same thing where it's like, there's this pattern and we all interpret it in similar different ways. And we hang on to that and we you know soak it in, then unconsciously think and act on it in our adult lives yep, it grows with us i mean mm-hmm. like you said it's on something that's unconscious because you know as a kid you don't think oh now everyone that was green eyeshadow i'm gonna think that they're bad but yeah. unless you're like it's true because if you go outside now and no matter how bomb the makeup is and you see somebody with this elaborate shadow on you're gonna be like girl guy what are you doing mm-hmm and it's like subconsciously, but if they're being themselves, but you have been conditioned yes. if the makeup is too bold or too bright or, oh my God, they're a clown. They have on a blue lip. It's wrong. Yes. I know someone at work who wears blue mascara. It makes her mm-hmm. eyelashes look blue. She wears it all oh, the yes, time. Oh, yes, those are really cool. Yeah. And, so, and a lot of people comment on it when I was with her it's usually like really young people of color who are commenting saying oh my god that mascara is amazing like where'd you get it can I get it somewhere and nobody else comments on it but you know everybody sees it of course it's more so like when they're young they're full of life and they're not so held down by the idea of this is right 
and this is wrong. Mm-hmm. When you kind of step outside that box, then you start to find people who are okay with, okay, she doesn't look or dress like me, but she's cool. She's a really good person yeah. based on kind of, it's a judgmental thing. Like if, oh my God, the person that wears jeans and sneakers versus the person that wears a suit. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want the jeans and sneakers. I want the person with the suit because the suit is supposed to be this prestige, this mm-hmm. this good person. And sometimes the person with the suit is a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if you're watching movies. <laughs> yeah, oftentimes, a lot of yeah. times, always embezzling money from these, these, mm-hmm. horror, these, these, mm-hmm. these people. But it's the perception of it. And it's kind of like they almost brainwashed a little bit because of yeah. things they've seen as a child. And Disney movies are definitely to play a part in it. Because if you look at the makeup for the villains versus the princesses is totally different. All of the villains in Disney have this... I think it's pretty cool, but outside looking in, this horrendous makeup, their makeup never matches the hero or the mm. the good goody two shoes in the movie. It's just always the complete opposite. It goes from zero to ten. Yeah. So <laughs> you're looking extreme. at Ariel and you're like, oh my God, so beautiful, so pretty. Ursula. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> is going on here the change is just so extreme and I feel like they make it that extreme so you can notice so off the back you oh my gosh it's not like a right a slight comparison like oh okay so she wore blue lipstick but you know her face is pretty normal no Ursula's purple with this purple eyeshadow this bright red lip Mm -hmm. and these long red fingernails you Mm -hmm. are okay yeah no she's definitely the villain Right. You know, Captain Hook, he has this deep purple eyeshadow and this long mustache compared to Peter Pan, who's just like, you know, I'm a boy. I'm, can't I'm a brave. boy. I'm innocent. But yeah, it, and I feel like we don't look. And sometimes I feel growing up, our parents didn't even know to look for that stuff. It was just like, no. oh, sit down. Here's a Disney movie. Watch right. it. Yeah. But now that you're older, you kind of start depicting these things. It makes you want to talk mm-hmm. to the adolescents who watch it like. She looks like this. She's being portrayed bad, but that does not mean that inside she's a horrible person. Right. You know, and it's just like, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah. I even was thinking of Angelina Jolie's version of Maleficent and she had the eyeliner and the red lip and maybe even the red nails. I can't remember, but yeah, it's a very, it's a very I think universal. her nails were like neutral and, but they were pointy. Mm-hmm. they're long and they were point- but even in that movie i feel like disney's kind of steering away from making villains just villains especially when they make it into like a i call them reality picks like they make right. cartoons into humans but she had a heart compared to the cartoon version she was just like bad curse petty, petty. Yeah. but when you look at the re- reality movie you're just like you kind of fall in love with her because you're like, hey, she cares. She has mm-hmm. a heart. She's a little, she got a little tough exterior, but mm-hmm. inside she cares, even though they made her with this dramatic green face in Disney in like 1996. But fast forward to now, she has a heart and she cares. And I hope this is showing that they're changing the way they look at villains. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I can deal with a villain that cares because I feel like even though they're bad, some part of them wants to change. Yeah. So if you give me a villain and I see that some part of them wants to change, all right, you're the villain, but I know by the end you're going to be this good person. Mm -hmm. But Disney made it like the villains always die or they -hmm. never have a chance to kind of redeem the bad behavior. Yes. Yes. That's why I have this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) talk about that so i have a couple more questions before we say goodbye one of one of them was slightly unrelated but i was curious what your favorite makeup look is out of the ones that we've talked about or just in the disney vault if there's any in particular that you really like or that you would do for yourself or would replicate for yourself and i was also kind of wanting to talk about like which villain makeup is your favorite so my favorite villain is probably going to be uh, Malnificent. I love, love, mm. love, 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 love the character. Mm-hmm. And probably I think Angelina Jolie is an amazing actress. So that's probably my bias. Okay. Um, it's also my favorite makeup. And the reason I say that, because even though like in the reality Disney movie, yeah. it's simple and it's not as drastic as, you know, the old movie where she's green. Right. They have prosthetics in her cheeks and I love playing with FX and makeup so that's like definitely a look Mm. that I would love to do on myself yeah I was like her complexion 
is so on point. Yeah. Watching that movie, I don't even think I noticed the cheekbones. Unless yeah, look, like go, an angle. Yeah, if you go, yeah, if you go look at the picture, they rose her cheeks, but that's prosthetics. So that's not like her skin being like pushed up. They mm. had to put either latex or some type of prosthetic over it, kind of smooth it out, and then put makeup over it to blend everything in because it makes it look oh, like crazy. her cheeks are like elevated. Yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Huh. So, so cool. Yeah, I wonder how it's like you're trying to move around with that on top. that's interesting i'll look at that after this my last question then do you have any advice for individuals who are looking to get into makeup yes so my advice is don't be too hard on yourself every day in makeup it's a learning process because the world of makeup trends they change every day they come back they go away stay true to who you are it's very very important and just always have a creative helmet like I feel like when you're a makeup artist creativity is key yeah like that's what always makes you kind of stand apart from everybody else or even work extremely well in a group however you decide to go but just stay creative and just stay true to you who you are and your beliefs and what you believe in but creativity is like so key and learn as like research watch YouTube take classes always refresh your skills or do things that cause your mind to continue to learn new things and adapt new trends and make everything your own cool you took the class you learned and you know the foundation part of it and now make it your own and it's amazing it's amazing feeling to make people feel good about themselves even if they're having a bad day and they look in the mirror after a service and they're like oh my god I look amazing Mm. and when you feel like you look amazing you do amazing things and when you do amazing things that changes the world so yes that's awesome yeah I feel so empowered now (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I'm gonna go be a trendsetter today (laughs) yes go go be a trailblazer it's fun Oh my gosh. And do you have any last minute plugs? Where can people find you um, about your product? Of course. So if you want to shop our products, we have an amazing makeup brush and sponge cleaner. We have um, a makeup brush spray. We have makeup brushes, matte, everything you need to clean your makeup tools. And if you need new tools, we also have those. So you can find us at Glam Sessions. So that's G-L-A-M-S-E-S-S-I-O-N-S nyc.com that is the website and if you have instagram you can follow us at glam sessions nyc and that's glam sessions with an s on instagram follow us like some of our posts dm us if you have any questions and definitely check out the website because if you're listening to this you probably wear makeup and you probably have a dirty foundation brush sitting at home (laughs) that needs to be cleaned so make sure you check us out yes so you can go clean your brushes today okay oh this was amazing i had such a good time hey everyone it's me katie again i hope you like this episode and i hope you learned something new as i did talking to ashley i also included links in the description to ashley's business and social media pages if interested check it out if you like the episode in the podcast and are on apple Podcasts, please leave a rating i truly value feedback and would love any recommendations for future episodes did you like the guests on the podcast do you prefer solo episodes like the asian characters in disney episode please let me know Also, if there's a topic about Disney you just haven't heard anywhere else and are looking for a deep dive on the topic, please DM the podcast on Instagram at www.ofdizvillains or on the website www.wonderfulworldofdisneyvillains.com. I'll also include links to those in the description. And if you're looking for more Disney villain specific content by me, you can check out the most recent episode of the Game of Nerds podcast and the podcast called Higher Education. I had a guest appearance on both talking about Disney villains. I'll also include the links in the description if you'd like to check it out and have a new podcast to listen to. You can also find me, Katie, on Instagram at DizVillainScholar and on the Black and Yellow podcast available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 